DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with Tan Books, presents Put on the Armor, a manual for spiritual warfare with Dr. Paul Thickpen. Dr. Thickpen is an internationally known speaker, best-selling author, and award-winning journalist who has published 43 books in a wide variety of genres and subjects, including The Rapture Trap, A Catholic Response to End Times Fever, and The Manual for Spiritual Warfare, the book on which this series is based. In 2008, Dr. Thickpen was appointed by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops to their National Advisory Council. He has served the Church as a theologian, historian, apologist, evangelist, and catechist in a number of settings, speaking frequently in Catholic and secular media broadcasts and at conferences, seminars, parish missions, and scholarly gatherings. Put on the Armor, a manual for spiritual warfare with Dr. Paul Thickpen. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Paul, as we were talking about the weapons that we have for spiritual warfare, the tremendous grace that's poured out upon us from the sacraments of the church, that absolutely has to be a font that we draw from all the time, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's the grace of God comes to us in these. And the grace of God is what keeps us alive and protects us and strengthens us and transforms us and makes us into the kind of people who are more than conquerors. And so it is so very important that we frequent the sacraments. And and as I've tried to do in the book to kind of take each sacrament even and to understand what are the special graces for spiritual warfare in each one of the sacraments, because each one of them has its own place, you know, its own role to play in the Christian life to make us more than conquerors in Christ. That is something that the Catholic really needs to rediscover in some ways when we even begin to think about the spiritual battle. Because we, as we've uh, discussed in previous conversations, we don't always look at the spiritual life as something that is a battle. And yet, that's truly what it is. And for those who have received that fullness, that full communion within the church, that's something that we should be drawing from every day if we have the opportunity. It is. And when you start looking at um, what the saints have had to say about the sacraments in this regard, especially the fathers of the church, they use military terminology to talk about you know, many of the, the sacraments they, in ways we don't often think of it. I mean, if we could go ahead and start with the first one, baptism. It is a sacrament of liberation and deliverance from Satan and his realm. Um, It's through this sacrament that, as St. Paul puts it in Colossians, God has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. It's baptism as a special forces operation that rescues us from the enemy territory and brings us home. The the, the reason I emphasize that, particularly for Catholics, is that sometimes in, in this spiritual warfare that we have, because it hasn't been taught or catechized, and maybe as effectively as it could have been, that often Catholics may, in this battle, turn to our uh, Protestant brothers and sisters, who are also baptized Christians, who also have that, you know, Christ dwells with them in them as well, but they will turn to them and the resources that they have developed over time in this spiritual battle and miss this incredible uh, wellspring of grace that is in the sacraments. And I, you know, I know what you're, what you're talking about. I'm a convert. I think I've said that before. And uh, 
and it was so powerful. The church I was in had had many former Catholics, unfortunately, and they had discovered wonderful things in the congregation I was in, and I'm grateful for that. But they had left the sacraments behind. And when I became a Catholic, then I discovered the sacraments and thought, oh, my goodness, I how could you ever leave these things behind? Oh, my goodness, there's such power in this. And whether it's confession or confirmation or baptism, we've already mentioned, and other things, the grace of God comes to us and changes us. In, in, in the sacraments, we put on Christ, the St. Paul talks about it. And he becomes then the, the conqueror who's within us and greater than the one who's in the world. There's the grace of the sacraments. It's powerful to transform us into the image of Christ and to see us safely home. So it's no wonder that the devil hates the sacraments and tries to keep us from receiving them. He wants to see us disarmed in that way. And so I think that's been a strategy with a lot of Catholics is to um, turn them away from the sacraments or make them negligent of the sacraments or to get excited about other kinds of, of weapons um, and forget just how powerful the sacraments are. In our rites of Christian initiation for adults, the church has once again through its liturgy brought forward the importance of the spiritual battle in the very fact that it has rites of minor exorcism and renunciation of sin and so many other things to help that person who is seeking that initiation into the church and into the body of Christ to be able to, to come without that diabolical or, or any type of attachment that it could hinder their full engagement or full participation in the church. And, you know, even, even the baptism of a child includes the minor exorcism. Almighty and ever-living God, you sent your only son into the world to cast out the power of Satan, spirit of evil, to rescue man from the kingdom of darkness and bring him into the splendor of your kingdom of light. It's all through baptism that this is a liberation. This is a rescue. It's like the like it's just like a special forces operation. We are we start out in the kingdom of darkness, and through baptism we are rescued out of that and brought into the kingdom of light, brought home. Brought home. And so for adults, then you've got that wonderful passage where do you renounce Satan and all his pomps? It's a wonderful word, all his pretenses. Um, so that we then, when we're old enough, we we can then we we cooperate by saying ourselves, yes, I do renounce that enemy. He's not my commander anymore. So no wonder St. Basil called baptism a royal protector. I, I like that royal protector. And that is, I think, important for us to remember the importance of baptism when it is one of the last things our Lord tells us to go and do. Go baptize. Go, go and baptize the world. Bring them into this protection. Yes. Get them out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. The other uh, sacrament that is so incredible is the, the great gift of reconciliation, uh, being able to go to confession. How many of the saints have said that that right there, that if one good confession is worth a uh, hundred powerful exorcisms? Well, it is because each time we sin, and to, to whatever extent, the devil strengthens his grip on us. So through penance, we loosen that grip. We pull free of his control. And we not only receive forgiveness of past sins, we receive grace to resist the temptations to come. So that's, you know, why it's so important that we go to sacramental confession regularly rather than trying to hide or ignore our sins. In the teachings of some of the saints, I'm thinking of St. Catherine of Siena, and then there's so many others that talk about the pouring out of the precious blood of Christ is poured out onto us. 
in spiritually in the sacrament of confession because and reconciliation because it is there that like that day of atonement where they cleaned the altar of any uncleanliness that once a year cleaning in the temple that when we go to confession the sacrifice of Christ and the pouring out of his blood cleanses us it cleanses and the cleansing is what makes the healing possible which is so powerful that, you know, in the book of James, the church speaks of forgiveness of sins through confession as a healing of the soul. Confess your sins to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. And so I like to think of it as, of the sacrament as a kind of field hospital for soldiers who've been wounded by sin in spiritual battle. I know for me and I know for others, sometimes when you're in that reconciliation line and someone, they go in and they look so despairing and when they come out, they walk taller. They seem they have a smile on their face. Something's been lifted off of them. I mean, it really it it's a burden to carry around. Uh, it's a weight. It's like something is anchoring us that it can be freed up in the sacrament of reconciliation. And just you know, take take the image of that we know from from a physical warfare. Think of a soldier trying to do battle, who's got a huge weight that he's having to carry. It keeps him from using his weapons. It slows him down. If he tries to to get across a, a, a river, it's going to weigh him down and sink him down. And now think of that same soldier finally being able to throw off that burden and actually focus on the warfare. It's, uh, you know, what a, it's, it's a very powerful picture to think of that weight being lifted off of us so that we're free to do battle. Isn't it important, Paul, that for those of us who may feel that we have a spiritual battle waging within our own families or in in a workplace, that we may be thinking that this particular person or this particular situation, there is a need for those prayers, that the sacrament of reconciliation, first and foremost, helps strengthen us in being able to be those spiritual lights in those situations. I mean, I I'll go back again to an airplane role where you have to make sure that you put the mask on yourself first and make sure that you're set before you can help others. And uh, I mean, think about sometimes it's, it's through the sacrament of confession that we realize the part we had in damaging a relationship or putting stress or tension in a relationship. And once we've confessed that and, and resolved to, to change that, we're putting, we're setting things up for the other person to be freed as well. Now, the source and summit, the the great liturgy of the Eucharist, that being able to go at the very least once a week to mass, but if at all possible, more frequently even than that, that that can be a, a tremendous, tremendous source of grace for us and mercy. Well, just you know, think about it: the passion and death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus is what defeated Satan decisively for all time. And what happens in the Holy Sacrament, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass? That glorious triumph is represented so that we can become intimately joined to that saving event. It's, it's what puts us at the foot of the cross and kind of throws us right into the center of the omnipotence of God of the world. And before that all-conquering power, the demons have to flee. One of the prayers offered by the celebrant of the Mass before receiving communion is this petition. Free me by this, your most holy body and blood, from all my sins and from every evil. And among these evils of the demonic power, but they've been rendered powerless by the sacrifice of God's Son. 
that's why I love so much St. John Chrysostom. I think I may have mentioned that in an earlier uh, session, but he says that those who have received Holy Communion are intimidating to Satan as they return from the altar because Satan is terrified of what was done at the cross. It was his defeat. So he says we must return from that table, the altar, like lions breathing fire, having become terrifying to the devil. Wow, <laughs> what an image. How can the enemy bear to look upon the face of someone who's just received the body and blood, soul, and divinity of the one who crushed his wicked head on Calvary? You know, we often talk about the, the Father, our Father in heaven. In this conversation, we talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the commander, who really is, strengthens us, who is in us. But we haven't spoken enough, I don't think, about the Holy Spirit. And boy, that the sacrament of confirmation. That is, well, that's Pentecost in so many ways, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It, and to confirm mean, means to to make strong. That's what the word actually means. So the, the Holy Spirit comes on us, an awesome power. I mean, he's, he's already with us because of baptism, but in a whole new way to strengthen us as soldiers of Christ. He increases and deepens the gra- graces we received in baptism. I, I love this quote from St. Cyril of Jerusalem. When he was talking about confirmation, he said, just as Christ, after his baptism and the coming upon him of the Holy Spirit, went forth and defeated the adversary, so also with you. After holy baptism and the mystical chrism, the anointing for confirmation, having put on the full suit of armor of the Holy Spirit, you are to withstand the power of the adversary and defeat him, saying, I am able to do all things in Christ who strengthens me, quoting St. Paul. The Holy Spirit St. John says, we'll give you the heavenly and divine seal of confirmation that makes the demons tremble. He will arm you for the fight. He will give you strength. Wow. Wow, I know. <laughs> well, here we are. We're talking about a father of the church, if not a doctor of the church, who, who it, in, lived, what, maybe 1,500 years ago, and yet his words are in a a powerful exhortation for us today. It is. And he goes back to, you know, to our Lord's temptation in the wilderness. He says, and the scripture tells us that before he went out to the wilderness, that's when the Holy Spirit came on him in baptism. And Luke actually says the, the word there means that the Holy Spirit drove him out into the wilderness. So it's the Holy Spirit leading, guiding, pressing him out into to battle. It's the Holy Spirit who was sending him into battle. And it was the Holy Spirit who made the demons tremble. It's, uh, wow, that's so powerful. It's so great. And if we, you know, if, maybe some of us, uh, for me, it was a very powerful thing because I was an adult receiving confirmation as a new convert. But maybe for some Catholics, they received it as, you know, teenagers and didn't really understand much of what was going on. But it doesn't matter. The, the reality of that seal of confirmation is on you. And if you explore it and you go back and you look at it and you meditate on it and you ask God to, to let it be manifest, that power of the Holy Spirit is available to you. We'll return to Put on the Armor, a manual for spiritual warfare with Dr. Paul Thickpen in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, 
the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. The Memorari Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Put on the Armor, a manual for spiritual warfare with Dr. Paul Thickpen. To the foundation stone of all of this, and that's prayer. Because even if, no matter where you were at in age, at the time of your reception of either baptism or confirmation, it, it's so vital that we continue to ask for an outpouring of God's grace so that we can continue to grow in this unfathomable depths of God. It's, I mean, it's like a, it's like a soldier <laughs> just covering a whole cache of weapons and nutrition, and all kind, you know, food, all kinds of things that he needs that he's had all along. He didn't know it was right there by him and, and he discovers it. Um, for a lot of us, you just, you go back and you start looking more carefully at the sacraments you have received and you say, oh my goodness, this is what was put in me. This is the seed that was put in me. This is the steel that was put in my spiritual spine. It's uh, it's it's just powerful stuff. And, and I love it. There was a time, I, I wish it was still done. Uh, there was an ancient custom that after the anointing of confirmation, the bishop who was administering the sacrament used to slap the cheek of the person being confirmed. And that gesture, according to the Council of Trent, the Catechism of the Council of Trent, was to make him recollect that as a valiant combatant, he should be prepared to endure with unconquered spirit all the adversities for the name of Christ. <laughs> Isn't that great? So the bishop actually kind of gave you a little slap as if to say, okay, Bubba, <laughs> you, are, you are a soldier and you're going out there. And, and St. Thomas Aquinas and the Catechism of the Council of Trent, they all talk about that through this sacrament, the Holy Spirit 
infuses himself into the souls of the faithful, increases them in strength and fortitude to enable them in the spiritual contest to fight manfully and to resist their most wicked foes. Wow. <laughs> I wish we could be confirmed again, but the truth is we don't need to be confirmed again because all that it contains, if we've been confirmed, it's all there available to us. Uh, just ask for a great awareness of that. That's right. That's right. Just once again, I, I, know, I know you've given me this gift. Teach me now again. Reteach me, reform me, help me, transform me, uh, all those things. Yeah. You know, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Holy Spirit, you, you brought all these things. You're right there within me. Show me. Show me what they are and where they are and what to do with it. The anointing of the sick is another sacrament that I think there's some confusion about it. And maybe in some places, very widespread in use, and in others, not so much. It's, yeah. I think you know folks may either you know look at it as some kind of magical thing that we're asking for automatic physical healing and and that can come by it, but of course that's not exactly what it's what it's about, but that we're we're asking God for the grace either for it to be healed or for us to um to be strengthened in it so that we can do the will of God whatever may come and and that's important because illness especially if it's serious illness, can, can be a trial in which the devil comes to tempt us to be overcome by fear and discouragement and doubt and despair. That was the enemy's strategy with Job. But through this sacrament, we have a defense against that kind of spiritual attack. I have a, a dear friend, an older man who was um, in Vietnam and very seriously ended, uh, wounded. And they, uh, when they got him to the, uh, to the medics, they thought that they were going to lose him. And he was talking, he, he thought about how uh, he had a wife and kids back home and just was coming close to despair, just thinking about them, not about death itself even, but about, you know, their being left behind. And a priest came in, and he asked for the, the sacrament of anointing, and the priest did. And, and it didn't change his physical condition as far as he knows, but he said immediately he was flooded with this faith and this peace that God was in control, his family was under God's care, and whatever happened, it was going to be okay. And after all these years, he still remembers that. Wow, what a gift. It, it is a time of great vulnerability when someone is sick. I, it, you see that in the life of many of the saints. I'm thinking even of the little flower, St. Therese, that that can be a time when you are really assailed because the possibility, the temptation to doubt, to despair, to all those things that we had talked about in an earlier conversation just about the, the tactics. This is when we really could use that strengthening that comes from the anointing of the sick, as well as the access to reconciliation and communion. Yeah, so we've got the forgiveness of sins, which again loosens the power of the enemy over us, and then to be able to have communion with him that terrifies the enemy, gives us the grace to, to become more conformed to Christ. A couple weapons that we may not appreciate are actually important weapons in the spiritual battle. And the first of them, of them is matrimony, marriage. Not just for uh, those who have found their vocation and their spouse, but it also helps strengthen those around us in the community and in the church. It does. You know, the devil's first attack on the human race was focused on a married couple, <laughs> on Adam and Eve. And by ruining their family, he has extended evil to every generation. And I think 
For this reason, the redemption and sanctification of the marriage bond and of the family for which it serves as the foundation is essential to the defeat of our enemy. The home has to become a sanctuary, a holy place, a fortress against Satan's attacks. And that's what the sacrament of matrimony brings. It brings graces that fortify and preserve the bond between husband and wife. And through that, they help each other and they help their children to attain holiness. And as you say, that that holiness, that grace then ripples out from a holy home, from a sanctified home uh, to, to bring encouragement and strength and peace to the people who are all around. Now, this is a, a real witnessing of what you had spoken of earlier about the watching of one's back, uh, that how the Romans would, they would guard each other's back in the battle. And that's ideally what a husband and a wife would do for each other. It is, and it's also what the parents do for the children when they're still too young. You know, we we have to be the, the mama bear or the papa bear <laughs> guarding the little cubs. Uh, they're so vulnerable and they're so weak. And so through this sacrament of matrimony, we are given graces for for our home, for our life as husband and wife and as parents that that we need. Well, Lord knows how difficult it is even with the graces <laughs> sometimes for all of us. And yet, uh, through that, uh, we're able to help each other and our children to to attain holiness and to resist the enemy's temptations, because it's with those people that we're going to bear together the daily crosses of life and and bear one another's burdens and and forgive one another. The other, of course, in the arsenal of the sacraments is that of holy orders. That's another one where it's not just for those who are called, but it ends up becoming a great sacrament for us all. It is. I mean, how how are we even able to have sacraments of of uh, the Eucharist and of reconciliation and confirmation oh, only through the priesthood? And so, <clears throat> if it weren't for that sacrament, so many of the other important weapons we have wouldn't wouldn't even be ours to have. And the the church has has authorized through holy orders has authorized. Uh, the men who receive this sacrament to to do a special kind of battle. I mean, just consider for a moment that that to be an exorcist, you have to be ordained as a priest. And so there is an authority there from Christ that has come down through the apostles that um, is special to the priesthood. And but it also means that because they are so important for God's battle plan, that they will be under terrible attack all the time. And all the more reason why, as, as we pray for others, we need to pray for our priests and our deacons, um, for our bishops, because uh, they are under terrible spiritual assault all the time. Well, and the bishop is the chief exorcist for his diocese. He's the one, by appointing officially another to perform the rite in his stead, doesn't negate the fact that he too, as you've just so beautifully said, we need to pray for him. Because he's he's the the shepherd for the souls under his charge. That scripture that uh, Christ applied to himself can also be applied, you know, in this situation where he said that uh, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And of course, that applied to his his being <clears throat> offered up for us all and, the, and his disciples scattering when he did. But it it also has other meanings. The the, the meaning for the original prophet and others that that if uh, if the shepherd gets struck. It scatters the sheep. So no surprise that the enemy looks around and says, hmm, you know, who am I going to strike today and have the most effect 
I think I'll go after the bishop. So our prayers have to, and our encouragement in other ways, have to form a shield around our bishop. A quick note, but not to undervalue the role of the diaconate as it continues to increase in uh, response and, and growth in particular parts of the world and in the United States as well, that the diaconate, they're the bridge, ideally. They're the hidden ones out in the world in service, representing Christ, and yet in a very special way are, are not just the, the guys who are assist at Mass on Sundays, but yet they're called to a, a special kind of service. I mean, the first martyr in the church was a deacon. They, they do so much in works of charity. They proclaim the Word of God, which is, as we've already seen, is, is essential in spiritual warfare. They help to heal hearts. They're often called on for, for counseling, uh, for advice. There's so many ways that I have so many deacon friends that I am so very grateful for because they are, they're doing their unique, they have a unique office in the Army of the Lord, a, a special role that they have that's, that's really unlike any other. As we're discussing the Manual for Spiritual Warfare, I think we've, in the last several conversations that we've had, we've seen that it's so much more than just a series of certain prayers or certain objects to combat the enemy, but it's a whole manner of living out your faith life, isn't it? And to be reminded of the importance of so much of what we do. It is. You know, in writing the book, I realized early on one of the challenges for me was to take a fresh look at all the things that are basically the essentials of the spiritual life and ask myself, in light of spiritual warfare in particular, what does this mean for us? And it, it just changed my whole way of looking at so many things. So, okay, yeah, we all know that we're supposed to pray. Well, what role does it play in spiritual warfare? We all know we're supposed to listen to the scripture and obey and Meditate on it. What role does it play in spiritual warfare and fasting and sacraments and uh, the role of the church and, and Our Lady and all the others? Uh, you know, how, how do you pray a rosary in, in light of spiritual warfare? And I, and I have that, you know, in the back of the book there. That, that really was the challenge was to ask myself, how can you kind of cast a new set of eyes on all the things that we talk about all the time, but asking yourself in particular, what role does this play in spiritual warfare, and, and how can understanding this thing better help me to be a better soldier in Christ's army? You've been listening to Put on the Armor, a manual for spiritual warfare with Dr. Paul Thigpen. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com or download the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Put on the Armor, a manual for spiritual warfare with Dr. Paul Thickpen.